Lord, we stand in awe of you and your goodness. Lord, thank you for a taste and a vision of your goodness tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. We live in a mysterious world. By mysterious, I don't mean like your favorite true crime podcast or a puzzle to be solved or a secret to be uncovered. I mean the sort of mysteriousness we experience when we gaze across a, a mountain vista after a long hike, or perhaps when we hold a newborn baby for the first time, or that moment when I saw Laura in her wedding dress on that cold December morning. I mean the sort of thing that Gerard Manley Hopkins did when he penned the words, the world is charged with the grandeur of God. Well, yes, it involves, but it goes beyond the realm of facts and the empirical. When you're holding that newborn baby, it's more than a, a mixture of eight pounds of tissue and bone. You're experiencing something of the transcendent, something divine all the more divine if you're not primarily responsible for diaper changes. <laughs> I had a, a wonderful professor in college, her name was Carolyn Tennant, and she taught a J-term class on Celtic spirituality at the St. Paul Monastery, and we stayed at the monastery. We prayed the hours with the sisters there, and we learned from the lives of Celtic saints. And deeply rooted in Celtic spirituality is this idea of a thin place, a place where the membrane between this world and the other world, between the material and the spiritual, was very permeable. Ironically, and perhaps providentially, that week at that monastery was, for me, a thin place. And perhaps for you all, there are places where you would consider thin places, places infused with profound and unmistakable holiness. And this mystery... These thin places are not limited only to physical places, but they're found within the pages of Holy Scripture. In the four, 400s, it was Leo the Great's prayer said specifically about the readings during Holy Week, that the sacred lections may surely be received with the ears of understanding, and the themes that are great in word may be seen to be yet greater from the mysterious realities which underlie them. In other words, the word of God, these readings tonight, these are more than historical retellings. We're not just play acting here tonight. We're, we're po poetic hopes and dreams. These very events are participating in the very eternal word of God, the Christ, who upholds the universe by the word of his power. Another way to describe this mystery is sacramental participation. And by virtue of yours and mine being found in Christ, his grace is mediated to us through the presentation of the word of God, even as those words participate in him. In other words, in the realest sense, tonight, these stories are our stories. In creation, you are invited to consider that God's word went forth and all things were made. All things were made through him and without him not anything made was made. And he is before all things and in him all things hold together. And that our good creator crowned creation with a man and a woman. 
that we would image him wherever we go, to our families, to our workplaces, to the world as conduits of his divine blessing and his eternal goodness. And we were given a life-giving rhythm of good work and good rest, and everything was as it should have been. And then we were brought to a tree in order to make a decision. In God's good garden, you and I were deceived into believing that there was something that God was holding back from us, that he was keeping a secret that we deserved to know. And we listened to those deceptive words instead of the word that was spoken from before all time. We believed that there was a better way than the way, the truth, and the life. And so we grasped for what was ours not to grab. And instead of receiving from the Lord, instead of trusting his provision, we decided for ourselves what was good according to our own tastes and our own desires. And into our mouths, we ingested a poison that would be the undoing of humanity. But thanks be to God, in his mercy, he chose us before the foundations of the world to be conformed to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. And so God set about delivering us from our bondage to sin and death. As the children of Israel were freed from slavery, so this day he frees you and I from our slavery to sin. But he does it in a way that only he can receive credit. And just as the wood of our Lord's cross, Moses' staff is lifted high and God's people are brought through the waters to their salvation. And as were their slave masters, the Egyptians, so are the sins that hold us captive swept away by those cleansing waters. And we, who were once a spiritually dead, disembodied pile of dry bones, are regathered, reorganized, reconstituted. The Spirit of God is breathed into us on the day of Pentecost, and we are reanimated and conscripted into a vast army, equipped with every good thing necessary for our salvation. And with his breath in our lungs, and his word as the weapon of our warfare. This is the church. This is the body of Christ. This is a foretaste of the glorious resurrection of our physical bodies when he comes at last to destroy death once and for all. And in Zephaniah, this evening we beheld the fulfillment of that promise. The place of perfect justice, of no deceit, a place where we can once again dwell with God without fear, where every evil is banished, where he will not, we will not only sing of his great love, but he will sing over us. And all oppression will be dealt with, and the lame will dance, and the shamed will be restored to honor, and the dead in Christ shall be raised to life immortal. Alleluia. There we will be for all eternity. What a glorious hope. What a precious promise, brothers and sisters. And how is it possible, you might ask? How is it that we can claim these stories for ourselves, the story of God's redemption for you and I? Well, here we are, once again, brought to a tree in order to make a decision. Will you trust the one from whom blood and water flowed?
Father Rick reflected last night, the water that flows from his side are the waters of baptism. And in his, in those waters, our Romans passage teaches that we are buried with Christ in his death and raised from the dead that we too may walk in newness of life. And we're about to move to that very baptismal font and witness that miracle take place before our very eyes. And then we will move to the Lord's table. And unlike the first Adam who grabbed what he desired and ingested the poison that brought death to the human race, we will offer to God in the bread and the wine, the fruit of our labor, our hopes for restoration, indeed our very lives, only for that bread and wine to be returned to us as the body and blood of the second Adam, which gives life everlasting to the glory of God. Is not the cup of blessing which we bless a sharing in the blood of Christ? Is not the bread which we break a sharing in the body of Christ? Brothers and sisters, tonight we behold the mystery. Tonight we taste, we are washed clean. And tonight we taste and see that the Lord is indeed good. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs>